My first capital raise, I was hoping to get 500000 I got 250000 and I'm happy with that. It was pretty good coming from a school teacher and a very limited mindset, so I was very happy with that. Welcome to The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. I'm your host, Aman Shahi. There's a ton going on in the world right now, and much of it impacts real estate investors. The Real Deal podcast will take a look at what's happening and how it influences you as a real estate investor. Each episode is a 20-minute segment dedicated to distilling the day's most important news, so you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world and how it might affect the commercial real estate market. Welcome, everybody, to another show of Real Deal Podcast. Today, we have a special guest named Nico Salgado. Hey, Nico, welcome to the show. Hey, Iman, how's it going, man? Great to be here. So, Nico, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to give us your 30-second introduction, who you are. All right, so my name is Nico Salgado, originally a Spanish teacher, born and raised in New York, still teaching Spanish while doing multifamily real estate on the side. I got into a few acquisitions uh, within my first year of, um, you know, real estate investing. And now I'm three and a half years into it and loving it. So did you start from multifamily or you started from single family? Well, great question. You know, I really started in the multifamily space. Um, I, I, because I, I did do one small single family development mm -hmm. project back in 2012, mm -hmm. but I don't consider that really a forelay into real estate, although it was, and it got me into it. That was more of a like a holiday getaway kind of vacation home that I tried to do. And it ended up being a flip, which I sold in 2020. <laughs> so you kept that for like eight years, from 2012 to 2020. Yeah, there's a little bit more of a story there because I ended up uh, buying the land in 2012. And then it took me three years to get the title cleared. And then it took me another few years to build it. So I actually didn't even, it, I had just finished it in 2020. It took eight years to finish it. And then I sold it. And uh, how do you like multifamily so far? Well, so multifamily is the ultimate end goal, and that's what I love to do, and that's what I will continue to do for the next however many years I'm alive. Like, why multifamily? So, Amanda, another great question. So, originally, I got into the multifamily space because I listened to a bunch of podcasts, particularly from, like, Joe Fairless. I read his syndication book, and I said, oh, my goodness, you know, you can own million-dollar assets, right? Yeah, yeah. Million-dollar assets, multi-million-dollar assets, and you, and you get other people to pay for it. That was the essential original thesis for me getting involved in multifamily. I always loved real estate. I always loved looking at houses and, and duplexes. I actually never bought one, and then I jumped right into the, multi, the larger multifamily space once I listened to those podcasts and read that book. So you live in New York, which is more like a Wall Street market. How did you thought about investing in real estate by living in New York? As we know, you cannot invest there. And how did you invest? How are you investing in different state and by living in New York? Yeah, so originally I was looking at duplexes here where I live. I live right on the beach in New York. And duplexes at that time, this was 2018, uh, were going for like 800000 for a duplex. There was no cash flow. But I knew that, you know, the, 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 in the back of my mind, the idea is you get some, a rental property. You don't have to, it's something that's paying you money, right? But it wasn't going to be paying me enough. Uh, I did think about the benefits of, of it being an appreciation play because it is an appreciation market here. But in the end, it was just too slow. Um, 
So that's why really I got into multifamily. And then I decided once I joined, you know, the Jake and Gino community, uh, that's the mentorship program that I joined. I decided that investing out of state was going to be a little, a lot more profitable. Right. And then it comes to your question, how, how do you invest out of state? It's, you know, it's not easy and it really comes down to teamwork and choosing the right team and dedicating a lot of time and energy to focus on a specific market and I always tell people, focus on one out-of-state market uh, at, at minimum for a year. Six months to a year is what I say. So you mentioned something about the team and how did you build your team? How did you like, connect with your partners? Yeah, so just from networking in the, in the Jake and Gino community and other real estate groups, you know, just networking and talking with people uh, and ha- jumping on calls, underwriting deals together, reviewing deals together, making offers mm-hmm. together, jumping on you know, asset management calls and, and just brainstorming over the course of a few years, it took me mm. to really build a solid team because there, there were team members that came and went throughout that time period yeah. that just weren't as dedicated, you know, that fell off, that stopped working. You, and also you get a feel for their work ethic, their, their values, their family, mm. you know, values. And then I finally yeah. kind of stuck with the few people. Yeah. So ultimately by adding the value. Yeah. So my value add was really just it, you know, what I can offer them was my, I had building an, I had been building an investor database at that point. Mm-hmm. I had been building systems uh, for, you know, direct for mail campaigns, uh, for text campaigns. I had been building just a lot of systems and processes and networking with a lot of the brokers down in mm-hmm. that one specific market. So mm-hmm. when I finally did meet and, and practicing underwriting like a maniac, and when I finally did meet the eventual team members that I would stick with, mm. uh, it was their foot into that specific market through me. Mm. And um, how did a mentorship program help you? Well, I there, there's so many ways. I mean, there, I, yeah. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have been able to do anything without a mentorship program. But it, number one, there's education involved, right? Yeah. They, they teach you a lot and it's hands-on education. You can you go to workshops. You, I remember the first workshop I went to was like a year I'm sorry. It was three days after joining the Jake and Gino community. I went to a, a buy right boot camp and we were sitting underwriting a deal with, with the great Bill Ham. Bill and Hamm. he's working one on one with me. Like he came over to me, showed me what I was doing wrong. You know, so st- you get hands on education, you get access to a coach and access mm. to an accountability coach. Yeah. And, you know, j- there, there's that piece of the education and then there's the network, right? So you're meeting yeah. with all these new people that are like minded looking to do exactly what you want to do. Mm. And um, then how did you pick the market? Like what are the metrics that you follow to pick any market? Well, so surprisingly, I didn't know much about markets back then. And I did like uh, basic research on markets and which were the top markets. And I got a list from bigger pockets, surprisingly, sorry for my dog barking. I got a list from bigger pockets. And mm. what I did with that list was I, so I spoke with Gino Barbro a couple of weeks after joining the Jake and Gino community. And he asked me which market uh, I was going to focus on or which markets I was looking at. And when I shared the list with him, he said, well, okay, they all sound like great markets. Where are you going next? And it just so happened that a week later I was heading down to Tampa. So he said, all right, why don't you choose that market, start networking with brokers when you're down there and take it from there. And mm-hmm. Tampa was on my list and it was a great market. And that's yep. really the only reason I didn't really have much knowledge of markets back then. And if you focus from choosing the market to choosing the investor, 
how do you vet your investors? Like when you, somebody come to you that they want to invest, how do you vet them? Because you cannot just take money from everywhere, everybody else. Well, so my first capital raise, the first deal that I got into, 194 unit, I was just taking whatever I can get. It was like, uh, you know, it, it was just really hard to find the right investors. I couldn't find capital and I was struggling just to get anything. So mm -hmm. I took anybody. And it thankfully, it turned out to be great because all the investors were extremely understanding and it was a challenging property. Uh, mm -hmm. We ran into issues, but they were so, I, I was very thankful and grateful, but it gave me key and insight into picking the right investors. Just like you said, because on my next capital raise, I didn't want everybody. I actually mm -hmm. had a few phone calls with people that were asking me some questions that I just did not feel comfortable answering. And it made me feel that they were going to be skittish throughout the whole term of the deal. Yeah. And I said, I am not going to accept them as investors. Just because you know, as you're pointing out, if you take the wrong investors, it could be a nightmare. Yeah. And um, how much was the first capital raise? My first capital raise, I was hoping to get 500000 I got 250000 and I'm happy with that. It was pretty good coming from a school teacher and a very limited mindset. So I was very happy with that. And how did you find those investors? Because if somebody comes, um, you go to them, oh, I'm a, I'm a teacher, but I'm a real estate investor. Do they believe you as a teacher or do they believe you as an investor? No. So they didn't believe that I was going to be a good, a valid operator. Right. So I leaned on the team that I was working with. I said, I'm really just in it to learn. I'm here for, to get, to gain the experience and I will, you know, guard your capital and be mm -hmm. a steward of your capital as best as possible. And I did get, you know, eight investors to trust in me. However, I had a list of 700 or so that just said no. <laughs> Um, and that's okay. And it worked out the way it was supposed to work out, you know, and, and in the end we did, a, we gave a great return after holding for 20 months. It was a 1.7 mm -hmm. equity multiple. And was it a 506B or 506C? Yeah, another good question. So this was a 506B and thankfully, because I then after this tried to do a 506C and I found quickly that my, uh, database for, um, for um, accredited investors was non-existent. And then mm -hmm. I started building that database a little bit more. And how do you market yourself? Like, you know, when somebody talks to you, you're a real, real estate investor, and you tell them what you do, do they believe you? Because all the time I met people, they said investing in real estate is like, I need to manage the property. And I have to tell them that you don't have to manage, it's totally passive. How do you solve those questions in their mind? Yeah. So a lot of people, first off, when I, when I tell them I'm, I buy real estate, they think I'm a real estate, a realtor, right? Yeah. They think I sell, buy and sell real estate. And I said, that's not the case. I'm a real estate investor. And if it's an initial conversation, a lot of them don't understand what that is. So they say, they ask me, what, well, what do you do? So I, well, I buy the property. I help people invest in the property and mm -hmm. I manage the manager afterwards. Right. Yeah. And that conversation has never led me to in it to converting an investor to investing in a deal. However, that is stroke, you know, has stricken a chord with many people to learn more. And that's where they begin the process of education and learning about it. I've yeah. been, you know, told uh, many of them have said, well, it sounds like a Ponzi scheme. It doesn't sound right. Yeah. And, and in the end, I just have them continue to jump on some webinars with me. I jump on calls. They start looking at my Instagram posts or my Facebook posts and they start to get a feel after months of time 
of that, yeah. that this is might be legit and maybe yeah. they're ready to learn more. So I haven't converted anybody yet. It's been three years. Uh, I, I haven't converted anybody that was brand new to mm -hmm. learning about multifamily investing, but mm -hmm. much easier to convert people that are already interested and knowledgeable about multifamily investing. So if you met a new investor, like who wants to invest with you, what kind of criteria do they have to follow? Like, do they have to be a pre-existing real estate investor, either single family or multifamily, or you just teach them from like from scratch what is real estate? No, I, I rarely ever teach them from scratch, right? So I like to get people that are already knowledgeable about investing uh -huh. and enthusiastic about investing. I don't want anybody that is kind of on the fence about it inv investing. I don't want to push them over that edge. Uh, I want them to be clear and and concise with their decision that they definitely want to invest. And I don't care if it's from from single family, multifamily, you know, or from self storage. You know, as long as they have the mindset of an investor, then I will mm. welcome them in if they're ready to do it. That makes sense. And um, so, if we go back to the same syndication, so when you first started in syndication, how did you learn about syndication? Yeah, that was originally from, you know, that book, the, the, the best ever real estate syndication book by Joe Fairless. That but, was my first. But how did you find about that book? So just from bigger pockets. So I was listening mm. to like the, I think it was the bigger pockets podcast and they mentioned, or, or it might've even been a commercial on there from Joe mm. Fairless. And that's how I originally got into that. And uh, what was your aha moment of syndication? Like, yeah, I need to follow this. Yeah, I was reading the book. I was downstairs in my basement. I remember this and I was working out. I just finished the workout and I was all pumped up. And you know, money was very, very tight for me at that mm -hmm. time. Uh, we were actually, I was facing foreclosure, but thankfully I'm still living in the same house. I worked it all out. And, um, and I said, this is my answer. I, there was no more time in my day to add jobs. I could not add any jobs couldn't add any more time to my day. So I ended up saying I need some passive income. Yeah. And when I learned about the syndication process, I said, this is the fastest and best way in. So that's when I jumped in. And as we know, like many people have no idea what is syndication. Do you mind giving me like one minute or 30 second introduction? What is a syndication? Yeah, absolutely. Aman. So syndication is essentially just a pooling of resources from mm. investors or a group of people to buy a, a piece of real estate, in our case, multifamily real estate, that is mm -hmm. typically unattainable on your own. So you, you pull together your resources to buy something that you can't afford. But I also met many people, they said, oh, I want to be active, but they don't want to do the work. <laughs> have you met those kind of people as well? Yeah, I have. Uh, and I've also met people that just want to partake in the general partnership side uh, without doing anything to get more equity in the deal as yeah. well as to uh, get the credibility for, from brokers saying, look, I'm a, I'm a general partner, but mm. not necessarily there to do much work. And how do you deal with those people? It depends. So um, if they are bringing something valuable, mm -hmm. perhaps like capital, I, I might take them on, but they're always going to have to do some sort of active role. So I have, mm. I have uh, people on my general partnership team now for the 44 units that I bought in Florida that took the back seat, but it was known from the beginning. So what they mm. do is essentially investor relations. So their job is to communicate. Uh, mm. Like we have weekly calls with our property management team. Their job is to communicate that with their personal investors. Mm, so you are bringing them as a co-GP. Cool Correct. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it.
Well, that's a lot of information for today. And uh, so, what are you? <laughs> so, what are you working on right now? Well, what kind of deal are you working on right now? Well, so we closed. This was my first syndication that I was the manager of, forty-four mm-hmm. units down in Florida, mm-hmm. and I am the the lead on this wow. one. So I found mm-hmm. the deal, took it down, assembled a team, and made it happen. Nice, congrats. Uh, Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, we just closed in uh, October, one of the properties, and December, the other one. It was a portfolio of two properties. And we're currently actively managing that. We're doing very well. We began making distributions, and I decided mm-hmm. to do monthly distributions, and our investors are all happy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm look, actively looking for another deal. I basically handed off the baton to my my partners, uh, Shane Deckert, who's based, he's a, a project manager for the Army based mm-hmm. out in California. And uh, Robert Carlson, who moved down to Tampa specifically to be the boots, boots on the ground partner. And he's a phenomenal asset manager. So I'm still involved for the, for the day-to-day, but they are taking over the majority of that. And I now focus more on acquisitions again, because that's my favorite job. And I am, uh, like I offered on two deals today and, um, you know, constant contact and speaking with brokers. Do you mind sharing some details about the property? Like how much was the purchase price how much is the return how much is interested rate did you get can anything yeah. yeah all right so there's two locations one of them is a 16 unit and the other is a 28 mm-hmm. unit in lakeland mm-hmm. florida mm-hmm. uh 70s and 80s construction and some 90s and they're all concrete block with mm-hmm. pitched roofs and mm-hmm. they are, are not in a flood zone so that's what i look for mm-hmm. uh the price per door was originally 140 or so and i liked it right off the bat but we ended up settling at 128 a door we might have actually gotten it under contract. It was it was five point eight five, uh, but then we got a two hundred thousand dollars seller credit after uh, our due diligence period. So it was five point six five total acquisition price. We come it came out to about one twenty eight a door um, after the seller credit, and the seller credit was due to the fact that we found a bunch of ACs that were just not working. So we knew we had to change those, and they were very you know the sellers are great. I actually knew the sellers from being in the community uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they worked with us. We ended up closing on that 16 unit in uh, October, on October 7th of 2022, with an interest rate of 4.95, uh, 60%, oh, 65% LTV, 18 wow. months of interest only. So that was a great one with a local bank called Fairwinds. And then we did um, the 28 unit. We didn't close and we, we struggled with debt on that one. It was in a rougher neighborhood, so that mm-hmm. same bank, Fairwinds, dropped us the week prior to uh, closing. They said we, they didn't want to do it. or Well, mm-hmm. they did, but they were going to do it at 55% leverage. So we ended up finding a bank to do it. 70% leverage, 5.85% wow. uh, interest rate with six months of I.O. So it ended up working out real well. Where we were cash flowing from day one um, and were able to provide returns. You know, It was a struggle, though, man. It took, yeah. it took a while to get that <laughs> debt. So you mentioned about the leverage. So many people say, like, what is LTV? It's a loan to value. And what's what's the common LTV is going right now in the market that you are facing? Yeah, so it depends. It depends on the asset. It's typically going to be, I, I typically initially underwrite for around 65% LTV. Mm-hmm. Some, some of them are at 50 or 55%, depending mm-hmm. on the debt service coverage ratio. And some of them, actually, the one that I offered on today, uh, is eligible for uh, Freddie Mac small loan balance of 80 LTV. They they said it it underwrites pretty well this one deal. So, wow. um, and, but that's a that's an anomaly. That's not the norm. Typically, 60, 60 to sixty five percent is where you're going to land. Wow, got it, got it, got it. Oof. So before we wrap this up, 
I'm going to ask you like two, two more questions. So first one is, if you have to go back, so restart everything again, what would you do different? Well, I think I, I probably wouldn't do anything different because it had to unfold the way it unfolded. But I think that if I, I, if I would have just realized from the beginning that I needed a team, mm-hmm. instead of trying to do everything myself, yeah. I would have gone farther faster. It's taken yeah. me over three years now to finally get my feet, you know, to, to get going. Mm-hmm. Although I did a deal with that, that 194 unit after one year, but I was not still in the mindset of I need a team. And once yeah. I found out that I needed a team, it, that's when I really started moving quick. Got it. That's a, that's a great answer. And imagine today's the last of, of you on this planet. What message do you want to give to the world? Oh, well, spread love and have fun. I mean, life is just too short. Uh, there's too many people suffering. If you can help, help somebody in any way by spreading your love and your joy, smiling at everything and anything and taking everything with an easy and laughable manner, then your life is good and you're oh, going to wow. infect those Beautiful. around you. Yeah, That's a great answer, especially in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Life is tough for a lot of people, man. As a school teacher, I see it. These, there are some kids that really just need somebody to, to, to say something nice to them. So that's it goes a long way. And many people, they just focus on themselves and they have no idea what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, if somebody has to reach out to you, where can they reach out to you? All right. So the best way to find me is my website, www.smallaxcommunities.com. Mm. Yeah. Or you could just text me 516-660-6912. How did you pick that name, Small Axe? Bob Marley, man. So I played in oh, a reggae God. band for 15 years. My stepfather was born in Jamaica. He was a reggae artist and I grew up listening to reggae uh. music. And uh, the small axe actually came from my woodshop. Was my original woodshop name was Small Axe Woodshop, and that mm. what, that's what helped me save my house. I ended up making things and selling things to, so I didn't have to foreclose on my house. And then I transferred that small axe to uh, you know the small axe communities where everybody is working with the small axe in my mindset, in my mind. But they can build a lasting empire with that small axe as long as you sharpen it. beautiful beautiful all right nico thank you so much for your time and i'll see you another one thank you thank you so much thanks simon thank you for joining us on the real deal a commercial real estate investing podcast the show that covers everything to do with multifamily real estate investing to help you become an expert in your real estate ventures We're here to help you create passive income and financial freedom so that you can achieve what you want whenever you want. We'll catch you next time on The Real Deal.